So it turns out, dear listener, that we both watched the same movie this past week. Which doesn't happen all that often. often. Um, In fact, almost never. Uh, We're going to start this by talking about Todd Haynes' latest film, May, December, starring uh, Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman, which just hit Netflix last week, and I believe premiered at Venice or one of the the bigger festivals earlier in the year. I feel like vindicated in that, like, this and The Killer, when these big movies do come out on streaming, like, right away, I watch them right away. Like, I just don't go to the theater. (laughs) Like, that's... It's not that you, you know. don't care. It's that you just yeah. can't get to the actual theater. I get it. I, I, I understand it. Um, this is one that we were both very much looking forward to, but knew almost nothing about. And yeah. so going into it, that's where I was at. I was like, I don't really know anything about this. I don't know the story. And so I was very pleasantly surprised as the movie started to unfold before my eyes. Um, yeah. And I'll just get this out of the way. I don't know how you feel about the movie. I, I thought this was phenomenal i really like through and through i don't know where this is going to land on my top of the year list but it is but really there. high up there um yeah. i loved it i loved it <laughs> i too i too it's interesting because i too it's interesting because um i really enjoyed it but kind of not in the way i was expecting to mm. yeah uh my anticipation around this was more around like the conflict that I thought was going to build up of like you get kind of black swan vibes off of the trailer for this which I think kind of colored my expectations a little bit and it's very much not that um, Mm -hmm. but it's still absolutely like incredible like power it's all performances here yes the whole thing is built around these performances. Like that's all it's showcasing. That's okay. That's not fair, but like, but (laughs) every part of this film is here to build the performances. Totally. It's hard to explain this movie because I feel like the less, you know, going in the better it's going to be. But Mm -hmm. I will just say Natalie Portman plays an actress who's going to essentially like shadow a real life person played by Julianne Moore, for an upcoming biopic that she is going to be playing Researching her in. her role, yeah. Yes, and and that's all you really should know about it because there's some twists and some turns. It is kind of based off of a true story a little bit, but also, like, obviously completely ridiculous in some other ways. Um, and also, Charles Melton, who plays the third lead ostensibly in this movie. Yeah. I mean, holy shit. Was like, absolutely incredible. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, you feel every emotion from this guy, and you just... There's this level of um, arrested development for every Mm -hmm. character involved that every single person, I don't know how they did it, but they just, they acted the shit out of this movie. I don't know what to say. You get that perfectly from every single person. I don't, I, it's just, it blew my mind. I was, I was totally taken aback by this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I will say from the beginning the filmmaking in this, you know, we're talking oh, yeah. about the performance and all this stuff, but the filmmaking in this is exquisite. Dude. And I watched this with my wife and, yeah. you know, she kind of always comes in and out of movies and whatnot. But yeah. for me, this one, from like the first scene, there is so much filmically going on here yeah. that you just kind of lock into it and you're like, oh, this is going to be like every little thing is adding to the story and you can pull so much like you can pull so much more out of this if you're paying very very close attention yes um yeah 
which I think those who, well, I don't want to like group people, but those who don't like this movie, <laughs> yeah, I feel like probably aren't paying close enough attention um, because yeah. there's just, I mean, some of the, the symbolism is a little on the nose for sure. Yeah. Um, but man, just the whole, the whole time it's like not stressful, but not relaxed. Yeah. It's, it's, there's this like overwhelming yet underlying sense of like anxiety. But for most of the movie, I didn't know where that was coming from because yeah. you don't know enough. And that's another thing that I think is really smart about this movie is if you don't know the story and I'm curious to rewatch it, you're you're just learning things and the way that yeah. the film is staged is so meticulous that you learn different pieces of information as you move along to the very end. And I thought that that was so smart because of the fact that you're just grabbed by these performances and they're just kind of like taking you through step by step, like what is happening. And as they learn more, you, the audience learn more until you totally understand all mm -hmm. these weird ticks that every single character kind of has going on through their, uh, through their psyche. And, um, and yeah, the filmmaking is just, this is maybe some of the best cinematography I've seen all year. I just, yeah. there's, there are yeah. shots in this that I'm like, one, how did you do that? <laughs> Two, mm -hmm. it is so geniusly well constructed and composed that I'm like, I just how? How does yeah. anybody do this? Um Yeah, this is one of those ones that's you know, I think we were kind of saying this is gonna be a big player in the Oscar race, but yeah. like, damn, now yeah, this yeah. is gonna be a huge player in the Oscar race. I yeah. like this might be Natalie Portman's best performance I've ever seen. Dude, so, oh my like, god. Like there's so much going on. Oh, and it like it is just her looking like Natalie Portman, but like you don't feel her at all. It's like she is enveloped in this character. Yes, yes, I it's totally wild. agree. <laughs> uh, so watch uh, May December, dear listener. Yes. It is streaming on Netflix on on Netflix, and um, just just a banger, just totally totally unbelievable. Um, yes, <laughs> I'm glad because um, I was like, I don't know how he's gonna feel about this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, I was so. Uh, I know it's one of those that would have been so upsetting if one of us was like, this movie sucks. This is the worst thing I've seen all year. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I feel like I don't know that we've ever really had a movie that we've that wildly disagreed on. Definitely. Or taste not. Or, there's no Roger Ebert. Uh, no, no. <laughs> Siskel and Ebert thing going on here. But yeah, um, I will shift over. Um, I have like two things I want to talk about and mm. both of them are such a wild departure from. May, December. Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm going to go, I guess, for the further one first. Um, and this is like a two-parter almost. But okay. I watched, I rewatched Good Burger, and I've watched Good Burger 2. Nice. Nice. What's your relationship with this movie? You haven't I, seen Good Burger. I... I've seen. I must have seen it in its entirety in bits and pieces, but I don't... It's, it was not a big part of my childhood. I You're know of it. You're not a Keenan and Kel person? Not really, no. no. So... I think I've said on the spot before, I very much was. Yeah. Um, all that and Keenan and Kel was like right. I was at the perfect age for that. And I think Good Burger came out like just a couple years before mm. I went to high school. Oh, nice. Which like so like I was just sort of starting to come into that like, oh, this is like a semi grown up kind of thing. Yeah. And rewatching this, rewatching Good Burger, uh, I 
love the comedy in this. It's actually really funny. It's like really good, clean comedy. Yeah. Because it's a Nickelodeon movie. Totally. Um, but um, I was really worried about Good Burger 2 because it's pretty much the only thing Kel has done since uh, Good yeah. Burger. Um, and like that's one of those. Th- and, you know, I mean, Keenan Thompson is like a staple in everything. But like, yeah. Um, long what longest running star on uh on SNL SNL now yeah. yeah um so I was really nervous because I was like uh I don't know this could like eh, I don't know. yeah and I will say I do like Good Burger better than Good Burger Two sure but Good Burger Two is damn funny yeah and Kel is spot on yeah right back he is like it. right back there. Oh, um, man. It's so much of the same stuff. It does that thing. These revivals do a lot where it tries to capitalize on jokes from the first one with a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Remember this kind of thing. Totally. Which some of them hits. Some of them don't. Um, But and there's a couple that are just like stuck in there that you're like, I feel like you could have just cut that scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the cast members from the first one has been no spoilers, I guess, but like frozen in a meat locker since like 1997 of course and sure. he just comes out and he's like wow i'm old and then he's never seen again you're like oh, okay. okay um <laughs> wow i'm old is that how that would weird. work <laughs> i i don't know um but i had a lot of fun with good burger too yeah. um I, I mean it's 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 good comedy it's good clean comedy yeah um i think a lot of people probably aren't on my page with that one but um <laughs> You know what? I'm sticking by it. Yeah. It is by far not the worst movie I've watched this year. So. There you go. That's pretty good. That's and I will say good. it also makes me laugh because, again, I guess no spoilers, but Zoe Saldana is in it for like one second. Okay. Um, and it has put Zoe Saldana up on my letterbox most watched uh, <laughs> actresses. As she should be. Yeah, it's, as um, she should be. Avatar, Star Trek, Guardians Three, and Good Burger Two. Oh my God! There you go. The franchise queen strikes again. <laughs> oh God, I love that. That's fantastic. Well, I uh, I'm glad that you watched it. I knew you were going to at some point, but I was like, you know, a, the perfect double feature is Good mm-hmm. Burger and Good Burger Two. I don't know if there's anything else you could even put in that slot. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with um a movie that a lot of people told me to watch like four or five people were like you have to watch this movie uh it's gonna i think they oversold it a little bit to be honest Uh this movie is called reptile it's on netflix it stars Mm. benicio del toro justin timberlake um alicia silverstone is in there for a minute Mm. and is directed by grant singer and it's essentially this like it's it's a crime drama um a corruption drama a, a murder mystery um where benicio del toro plays a detective uh Justin Timberlake plays a widow of a woman who gets murdered, and then it becomes this kind of formulaic, let's track down the murderer movie. Mm -hmm. The thing I'll say about this is what it wants to be is reality, that movie. What it Mm. is is Brooklyn's Finest. I mean, it is a trashy, Ah. corrupted cop movie with the best of them. And I'll be honest, it's pretty good at what it doesn't understand that it is because it's like <laughs> this is a gritty thriller like 824 like no this is not this is fucking like the movie you've seen over and over again it's yeah. super derivative as soon as i understood what was happening i was kind of like oh 
really like this this could this have been really really shocking and surprising and i think the people who they just don't have they just haven't seen those other movies and that's fine like this is the their entree sure. into this kind of film but i was like oh really this is all that this turns out to be and it's not bad by any means it's just super generic it's like by there. the end i'm like it's it's just exactly what you think it would be in the end um a pretty good benicio del toro performance although he's just playing his character from sicario like straight up yeah. um justin timberlake i'm like not totally sold on him as an actor like he's gr he's good in the social network but like he pops up in a couple things that i'm like all right but then i feel like a majority of his filmography i'm like ah, yeah okay. and when he's trying to be like serious like you know not sean parker i guess yeah which i think is just like an like an extension of who justin timberlake is yeah it just doesn't he just can't do the drama part of it so yeah reptile it's on netflix it's not terrible it drags a little bit because it is like over two hours long and it definitely could be an hour and 40 um but you know it's a good nice little crime thriller i guess if that's what you're in the mood for so yeah nice yeah um I was going to talk about Squid Game the Challenge, mm. but I'm going to wait one more week because there's just the finale left to air. Oh. Um, where I will inevitably watch and see who. I don't know. I have a lot of problems with this show. But yes. instead of Squid Game the Challenge, uh, I'm going to talk about a movie I watched. It was my Saturday morning watch. Um, and it was one that I have definitely seen before, mm -hmm. but not in a very long time. It never really looked at with like film eyes. Mm -hmm. um, and that's Backdraft. Yeah. Ron, Ron Howard. Howard's 1991 uh, firefighter film. Yeah. Um, with an absolutely insanely stacked cast. Of course. You know, we're talking Kurt Russell, um, Billy Baldwin. Robert De Niro, Donald Sutherland, Jennifer Jason Lee, and then like a bunch of other Holy players that you shit. recognize now. Um, yeah. I feel like the standout there is Billy Baldwin. Sure. And I will start there in saying that Billy Baldwin can't act very well. Oh, no. <laughs> he is notably weaker than the others. I mean, the others being, you know, Robert De Niro, Donald, yeah. Donald Sutherland, and Kurt Russell. Um, yeah. I was really confused because I remembered kurt russell being in this movie mm -hmm. and it starts out with kurt russell playing their dad mm. the, like the two brothers dads and who dies almost immediately in a fire right it's like the inciting incident for the whole movie yeah yeah and i was like why on earth would i remember kurt russell from like a five minute intro yeah. to this but kurt russell also plays grown-up version of kurt russell's son um the older brother to billy baldwin um what a weird back-to-back -back with uh, weird... Monarch. <laughs> well, and the thing that's really... Yeah, no kidding, right? And the thing that's really weird is, like, putting Kurt Russell and Billy Baldwin together as brothers... I, I will start talking about the movie in a second, but, <laughs> like, Billy Baldwin, I know what your brothers look like. Yeah, you can't, you can't. Like, you, were, you have very famous, like, brothers, and you're not a brother to Kurt Russell. So that was always, oh, like, God. a little But, yeah. um... Outside of Billy Baldwin's like less than stellar performance, this movie is pretty fucking good. This movie yeah. is long mm. and it feels long. It's like 220. Mm. And I feel like I didn't remember that going in. I just kind of hit play because I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, backdraft, easy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Not so much. This movie goes. But that's kind of Ron Howard's thing. Um, yeah. 
I want to like this movie a lot more than it I do. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a lot of really good stuff going on. The fire effects are incredible. Like mm. it's that it's that early nineties like what I don't think it's really CG ever, but like what can we actually do and what do we need to like plate or do a miniature of or like, you know, mm. superimpose or something like that. Yeah. Um they do some really crazy explosions in this. There's some really crazy firework actually going on. Um firework, can I say that? I yeah, guess. Pyro. Yeah, pyro. Pyro, yeah, pyrotechnics. Yeah. Firework is like a fireworks. Yeah. I don't know, but no. Um, overall, like I had a fun time watching with this movie. It's not something that you see a lot. No. You know, I know there's a lot of TV shows about firefighters and things like that, but like I've never seen one that um, this is going to sound like if anyone's seen the movie, this is going to sound like, yeah, duh. But like this really treats the fire as its own character. Yeah. Um, yeah. In a way that like not only just like in the moment when there's fire, but like the presence of fire and how it affects these people in their, in their lives. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. It's something I feel like I don't see a lot, which I think made me appreciate it. Definitely not. I mean, fire, I feel like every movie that comes out, that's about some kind of a firefighter situation just kind of gets swept under the rug. Like there's been a couple over the past yeah. few years that I've heard is, are actually pretty good, like wild firefighters and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. It's just nobody, it's just a subject matter that maybe it's just too hard to do. Maybe it's just like, well, this is not an easy media I, way to do things. I think <laughs> there's a level to which, and I don't want to say like post 9-11, but I'll say mm. post 9-11, like mm. it's a lot harder, I think, to show firefighters with like actual depth of character yeah. and like corruption like there there are corrupt firefighters in this yeah yeah, you know what i mean and that's like a hard thing to kind of portray on screen like even just thinking about it i'm like yeah like firefighters are all heroes like what the hell like you know yeah which i think just makes this a little bit more complex of like you know i mean we we see movies about corrupt cops all the time but corrupt firefighters is like yeah it's just there's not a lot in that uh yeah in that genre Oh, very interesting. I think I only saw Backdraft one time, and it was when I was a child, and I definitely need to rewatch it, because I keep forgetting about it, and knowing now that Kurt Russell is in it, because yeah. I don't remember him at all, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to rewatch it. There's apparently this. a uh, uh, Backdraft 2 oh, from 2019. God. Oh, um, God. Yeah, I don't know. There you go. Firefighter movies from the last five years. Backdraft 2. Uh, Billy Baldwin, also in Backdraft 2. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I am going to go with. Let's see. I'm gonna go with the the one theater watch that I had this week, which was uh, Godzilla minus one, which I saw. Yes. Uh, in IMAX and opening night, which was great. Um, packed theater is just. It, I haven't seen a Godzilla movie in theaters in a mm-hmm. while that I that really kind of did it to me like it was really mm-hmm. like this is what i came to see i i wish i had seen godzilla versus kong because i feel like that would have given me some of that feeling um godzilla minus one is the first japanese godzilla movie since probably shin godzilla came out yeah and is a po- post-war post-world war ii film that deals with the aftermath of the war intermixed with this giant lizard monster that has now also created problems 
And just to start this off, this movie is amazing. Um, it really oh, lived I'm up so and surpassed like every single level of expectation I had for it because I was like, I, it's a Godzilla movie from a studio I don't know, made by a filmmaker I don't know. Like this could be atrocious, yeah. and it's just not. It's it's like classic Japanese melodrama that really does tug on your heartstrings a bunch. I mean, it follows a kamikaze pilot who makes it out alive and a young woman who is, you know, her family gets killed in the attacks and they kind of create this weird little family with this young girl they find. And so there's this family dynamic going on, but it's a broken family dynamic where no one's mm. really expressing like we are a family. Like we're just three people who came together, which I think is an amazing kind of misfit way of telling this story. And then it's just a phenomenal Godzilla movie on top of it yeah. with amazing effects like jaw-dropping sequences where like you've never seen Godzilla or I've never seen Godzilla like this before like sequences yeah. that are like straight out of Jaws or Alien or whatever you have and you're just sitting there in the theater like holy shit like how has nobody thought of this before like no one's done this <laughs> and and totally lives up and I will say there's one moment I put this in my letterbox review it's not really a review but I put it in there there's a moment in the the apex the climax of the movie where the sound drops out completely no not a sound no score no anything and i've you've if you've been listening to this podcast you you hear me grouse week after week about people talking in the theater and on their phones you could not hear a sound for 10 to 15 seconds straight like people were holding their breath in the audience there were children in That's the awesome. theater nobody made us not a crinkle not a sniffle not a popcorn like crunch like literally zero sound i didn't look away from the screen but i started to hold my breath because like oh wait a minute there's no sound like nobody's <laughs> doing anything and that's when i knew like this is something else like this i've never yeah. to to this day and probably this is past, godzilla versus kong yeah this is a new kind of uh, monster movie and just from that alone i was like this is this is something else so I mean, you definitely should see it in a theater if you can. I mean, the yeah. sound is like when he roars, I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, this is like shaking me right now um, in, in a way. And yeah, the, 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 the destruction, the, the, I don't want to say, I struggle to say action because it's not action. It's, yeah, it's something else. And, but I, it was special. It was special. I loved this movie. I might go see it again because you really kind of have to see it on the big screen to, to yeah. really take in the full effect. But Godzilla Minus One is two thumbs up. So, so good. 